Morning, team. Nice to be company. Thank you, Anthony. I think he gets a night... Is your night off tonight? And then you're back... At, no, you're on again tonight. Laughing all the way to the bank of Toy Town, let me tell you. And uh, so that'll be nice. Are you talking to me? We, oh, you weren't. <laughs> I'm off with the pixies this morning. I don't know what's the matter with me, actually. I came in in a strange room. I've, I've had a piece of chocolate. I don't know what's going wrong. Anyway, good programme between now and uh, seven. All the stories in the papers. And John Warrington on the final leg of his holiday in Italy. All after this. private conversation here in the studio. Just don't mind us, honestly. Actually, we're talking, actually, because he did Gladys Knight the other day as well, and I did Gladys Knight. She's nice, isn't she? Good. Beautiful. A ledge. The rest are all dead. That, well, nobody left it. I'll tell you who I wanted to talk to. He's still alive. Smokey Robinson. I always wanted to talk to Smokey Robinson. Oh, right. word, thank you. And Earl Van Dyke. And his brother. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> Off you go. Anyway, nice to be company. Welcome to Friday. Love Friday. Bad news for Leona Lewis fans, I'm afraid. Her TV uh, uh, advert for her album has been banned because it's misleading. They've called it um, the best-kept secret and they've said it's new. And the Advertising Standards Authority went, wait a minute, there's 13 tracks on this album. Now, as far as I'm concerned, on... Call me, call me tight, if you like, but 13 tracks is taking the wee-wee out of you, I'm afraid. That's not enough tracks on an album. Tommy Steele's double album has got 50 tracks on it. 20, I'm looking for a minimum of 20. Anyway, out of these 13, only seven were new. Six have been available online for ages. So, in other words, a little bit misleading. So, if you were thinking of buying Leona Lewis's album, think very carefully whether or not you go onto iTunes and just download the tracks you need. There's no point in downloading all of it, because if you're a fan, you've probably got this stuff. Why would you want it twice? I used to get really annoyed with groups years ago. They bring out an album, and then subsequently they bring out the singles, which were already on the album. So you've already got the blooming things if you're a fan. So uh, Leona's not-quite-so-new album is out now. Only seven tracks on it you've never heard before, and frankly, I think that is taking the Michael. And I'm unanimous in that. Anyway, I trust you well. Fr- thank goodness made it to Friday. Thank goodness made it through the week. Because it's been a torturously long week. Weather, fantastic. However, all finishes, I think, tomorrow. They've said the heavens open. And uh, my strawberries are still giving forth. I've still got my strawberries in their baskets and they're still producing. Can't make David Menabre eat them often enough, actually, because he's been away for it. He went to Vietnam. Just missed out on this uh, this uh, tsunami thing. And uh, he li- only got back, I think, about three or four days ago. So I, I keep me sticking a note on his door going, eat the strawberries, for God's sake. We've got loads of them. Uh, and if I, I brought some strawberries in this morning. What I did, I cut the tops off them last night, put them in a bag overnight, and now they've gone a little bit mushy, but they're, they're quite nice, I think. But they, the inside of the bag is absolutely soaking. Let me try one, actually. Yummy, yummy, yummy. Something about... I don't know whether you're supposed to eat strawberries hard or whether they're supposed to be slightly soft. They're nice, though, either way. Very nice. Yummy, yummy, yummy. Right. On the programme today, bad story of the day, bad story of the year. The three uh, workers who abused the kids and competed with each other to take the sickest possible photos. Um, I, I don't really know where I can go with that story. You're probably as horrified as I am that two of them are women. Automatically, people go, oh, child abusers, men. Not so. 
Not so. Majority women now. It's rapidly turning around. And these women, uh, one of whom has actually got two children herself, abuses other children. And you just... I can't get my head round that. I can't... You know, I thought I could understand most things. I can't understand how. they are. When they get into prison, they are going to be beaten black and blue. The one thing that people in prison don't put up with is anybody who interferes with children or, uh, or elderly people. And I, I just foresee nothing but misery ahead for them, which, as far as I'm concerned, is, is pretty good news. The other thing I wanted to debunk, and we debunked it yesterday, and... Um, and uh, people were saying, oh, no, you can't be right. You can't be. I'm never wrong, I'm telling you. And I was absolutely right. Latoya Barmy Jackson, you know, and there she was spouting off about something she knows nothing about on Paul O'Grady. Uh, so much so that the Mirror picked up on it the day before, saying that Paris, his, uh, his young girl, uh, had said that Daddy was very, very tired and it was because those people wanted him to do all those shows in London and it was nothing to do with that. That was a blatant lie. Now we've got the autopsy report on Michael Jackson. His heart was absolutely fine. And in fact, if that's a tired man, and I've seen the clips, as you have as well, of him on the television, uh, dancing and rehearsing for the shows, and they've practically put together a whole show now because it's all been filmed. Um... If, if that's a tired man, then quite clearly I can't wait to be tired because you have boundless energy. He had the uh, the body of a 55-year-old. There was nothing the matter with his heart. A little bit of inflammation on his lungs. Um, and he was the right weight, they say, for his height. He was five foot nine, So, in other words, he was a bit shorter than me. And he weighed nine stone ten pounds, I think. I thought, God, I'm vastly overweight. If he was right weight for his height... And he was nine stone ten at five foot nine. I'm giving up now, I think. I tried to offer Richard Hakey a chocolate biscuit earlier on. And Richard Hakey, take my word for it, if you came to Croydon and you saw him singing, you know there's nothing of him. There's nothing of him. And he said, Steve, he said, I won't have a chocolate biscuit. He said, because I've just been on holiday, he said, and I've got to look after my figure. And I thought, if you're worried, I'm suicidal because there's just no point. There's nothing of him. Nothing of the poor boy. So, uh, so that's why. So, Michael Jackson, perfectly fit. What killed him? The injection from the doctor. That's what killed him. And um, I'm, I'm afraid, really, uh, there's nothing more to say about it. That's, that's what happened. He died. And if you want to know about the funeral and you want to know everything else, then if you listen to my special guest in conversation, this Sunday, it's Gladys Knight. And uh, we've already pre-recorded it. Lovely, lovely lady. Between seven and eight on Sunday morning and then repeated at nine o'clock. We don't play any music. It's all conversation. Some people you know, put music on. Not us. Not on this one. We just uh, learned more about her. Uh, Danny says, I heard you mention Circus Boy on your show and I thought you might like this. So he sent me in the Circus Boy book. Thank you very much indeed. Nice to know somebody else has got pink post-it notes. Uh, and sure sign that the post is really being held up because my invitation arrived from Mountview for their professional showcase 2009, and it was the 23rd of September. So thank you so much indeed, post office workers. Actually, round our way, we are we, we, we do get post. Just started to filter through here. Only just. Only just. Oh, Michael Jackson as well had bizarre tattoos. He had his eyebrows tattooed and his lips were tattooed. I've got a spot coming up. I can't believe I've got a spot at my age. Teenagers get spots. I don't get spots. I'm not supposed to get spots. Oh, I hate it. It's absolutely. I must have gone through a stressful period, but for the life of me, I can't remember when it was. Probably last week. But I've got. I was, and I was. I was having a shave this morning. I thought, oh, I think there's a spot coming up. 
And it's your worst nightmare. You know when you go out on a date when you're about 15, 16? It applies to boys as well as girls. And that spot appears the night before. And you go to school and you think, oh, notice my spot. And then people go, oh, look. So I was watching the airport programme the other night. I think it must be the one from Luton, where it's EasyJet. And they've got a guy on there, and I can't remember his name, but he's got the worst teeth I've ever seen in my entire life. They're not just tombstones, but they're chipped and cracked and everything else. I think his name's Leo. Well, Leo is as camp as the proverbial toilet brush, and yet, apparently, straight as a die. And he's on there, and I'm looking, and he's got a cold sore on the side of his mouth. And he's talking, and I'm thinking, the one thing I never got when I was young was a cold sore. I never got anything like that. I got spots, and you always get them at the side of your nose, or felling that right on the end of your nose. You look a bit like Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. Horrible, isn't it? That's the advantage, I suppose, of getting old. You're not supposed to get them. That's why I was so surprised. This morning, I thought, oh, blimey. Last thing I want is, uh, is this. Oh, look, the Beckhams are together, albeit just for a photo session, because I don't believe they spend that much time together at all. She just looks... I don't know... <laughs> I don't know, really. He's actually now looking a little bit naff and old. It's amazing, actually, when you see him and they just have a picture taken, um, uh, they just look normal. When he's airbrushed, he looks completely different. So you can t- I mean, even me airbrushed look completely different. But there's a picture of him in the mirror today. If you really want to see what he looks like, he's now looking his age. He's, he's grown one of these silly little beard things and uh, the bags around his eyes. If you look on the photograph that's taken further away, it's obviously been touched up a little bit. But... Um, but in, in the close-up photo, the moment he smiles, he just looks like some bearded geek. That's all he looks like, poor So Actually, talking of, of geeks, got to get rid of the, the, the Irish twins on the X Factor. Oh, dear Lord, what are they? Part-time lavatory brushes? Have you seen the hair? Everybody in the papers, every columnist has said exactly the same. Get rid of the geeky twins. The only person who likes them is Louis Walsh because he's Irish and duty-bound, quite rightly. Louis goes, well, come on, guys, I'm going to put you, put you through. But they're useless. They're absolutely a waste of space. They're an embarrassment. God knows where they sing. And do you remember the story I told you the other day? I got quite angry about this this morning. I was debating as, a, as to how angry I could make myself. And I told you how good the, the programme was um, about the triple amputee one of the soldiers who was blown up in Afghanistan and an Irish lad who was blown up over there and they came back and they were in rehabilitation and, uh, and he learnt to walk again on stumps. They sort of fit these artificial type legs and then you click on these other ones and you could put trousers over the top. If it, if it wasn't for the way that they walked, you would never know. And, and he learnt to walk very well indeed. Well, anyway, there's a, a lad here, Sapper Matthew Weston, uh, who went out... And he's a, he's a triple amputee as well. He's only 20, for God's sake. Only 20. And he goes out and he gets... Uh, he has his neither leg or legs or arm. So he's only got one arm. So triple amputee. He goes out and, and people start swearing at him. People start swearing. He's 20 years old. And people start swearing at him. Apparently, two guys and a girl, aged about 17, were in front when one of them shouted the insult... Which was, uh, oh, where are your legs? Forgotten them. Then he was in a fish and chip shop, and somebody said, well, if you didn't want to get blown up, you shouldn't have gone over there. And uh, he said, I'm not going to let them get me down. And my advice is, absolutely right, Matthew. Absolutely right. You went out there, you did a job. These people... I can't use the words on the radio, which would probably get me into a lot of trouble. But frankly, a lot of the papers have said... Do you know who these people are? Let's name and shame. I'm sick to death of this yob culture, I said yesterday. Let's name and shame. 
Let's name and shame. Let's pillory them. Let's go round and start throwing things at their houses. Let's start, you know, embarrassing them the same way they've embarrassed this lad. I mean, I know what it is. You can bet your life that one of the girls will be some fat lardy with big hoop earrings in, and one of the lads will think he's a real Jack the Lad. Of course, if they turn out to be business people, I'll take it all back. But I'm assuming at 17 they're a bit stupid and a bit, a bit naff. And if they're on benefits, let's take it away straight away. And if they're employed in a job, let's hope that their employer fires them immediately. That's the only thing you can hope for. Let's start kicking back in this country. Let's not stand here anymore and be the wusses and the mamby-pamby, head in the clouds, stick your head up your bottom kind of people. Let's come right out and say, we've had enough of it, we don't want it anymore. Um, and having seen these nursery nurses, and then we had the Simmons family the other day. Remember the Simmons family? Whose uh, son was uh, partially responsible for the death of that woman and her daughter. Well, apparently they're going to be kicked out by the council. So that's great, isn't it? But then the council have got to rehouse them. Why don't we just kick them out altogether? Why don't we just go and drop them in the sea and go, oh, terribly sorry about that. That's all a bit sad, isn't it, for you? Quarter past five. News headlines. Police say some parents may never know if their children were among the victims of a nursery worker who's admitted child abuse. Vanessa George from Plymouth sent photos of the abuse to people she met on the internet. An IT specialist from Broccoli has been charged with the murder of a woman whose body was found in a suitcase dumped on farmland. And a British search and rescue team is flying out to Indonesia later to try to help find victims of the two powerful earthquakes there. More details on those stories coming up in the news at half past. First of all, it's the travel for you this morning. And I thought about him last night, actually. <coughs> cool. I don't know why. Every time I see a programme on the telly about farms, I think of Hugh Broom immediately. You weren't watching the Victorian farm again, No, no, no. I was yeah. watching Country File. How exciting. I do like that. Good. Anyway. Uh, A4, Great West Road, coming into town. It looks like there's a fire. Morning, team. It's... Friday. Love Friday. Love Friday. Uh, Jay says, did you put one strawberry plant in the basket? I put four in my basket and barely got any strawberries. Uh, I bought it ready planted. I bought it from a garden centre. It was sort of sitting there looking a bit lost and I thought, I'll take you home because when I bought it, it was fairly sort of, uh, fairly sort of bushy and it just had lots of little flowers, little white flowers. I thought, I'll take it home. Well, that was two months ago. It has not stopped producing strawberries. I mean, I kid you not, I'm looking at a picture of, uh, of one that I took probably about a month ago, and there must be 50 strawberries on it. And they ripen in the sun, I mean, really quite quickly. I'm quite surprised. You know, one minute you've, you've got the flower, the bees seem to come round and... Po- they obviously know where it is. They can obviously smell it, I suppose. They come round, pollinate it. The next thing, the strawberry appears. And within, you know, a matter of days, this thing has ripened. And they, in fact, now I've got so many, some of them are going off. So I have to go out in the morning and cut off the bad ones. But I've got some big, luscious, plump fruit there. I mean, it really, it's really good. I, I shall try it again next year. And it looks quite pretty, too. That's good news, isn't it? So, if you've been successful, do let me know. Smokey Robinson and the Miracles. Can't remember what they did. Remember the lovely voice? Did they do Stoned in Love with You? No, it was Stone, Stone in Love with You. Um, no, that was the Stylistics. Did that. Smokey Robinson did... Tears of a Clown. Smokey Robinson wrote lots of hits for loads of, uh, of other people as well. So that's what he did. But uh, I, lo- I used to love Tamil Motown. It's a good chat, I promise you, this, this Sunday with uh, lovely Gladys Knight. Talking about uh, strawberries, Waitrose strawberries, one ninety nine a punnet, two for one, but reduced punnets, pound fifteen each. I said to the assistant, that doesn't make any sense. It costs more to get the reduced. And the assistant said, two punnets of reduced strawberries at pound fifteen each, still two for the price of one, pound thirty, were sold to me for 30 pence. That's two punnets of reduced strawberries for 30 pence. Work that out. Says Angela. Sounds very confusing, doesn't it? I did that once. We had a thing, and I can't remember what it, it was. It was Marks and Spencer's, and it was something over. They were doing two for the price of one, but when it came up on the till, 
It didn't come up as two for the price of it. It was something, it was ages ago, and we did it. And we had to go in and test it on numerous times, because I still couldn't get my head round it. I still couldn't get my head round it. still can't understand it now, which is, uh, which is probably just as well. Uh, 84850, Christopher Broadhurst is in the paper today. He's not a very nice person. Christopher Broadhurst was, uh, is a member of Teddington Bowls Club in Surrey. And he picked up a puppy. Wait for this. He picked up a puppy and swung it round by its tail after fearing it might foul his pristine green. This is Teddington. This is in my area. Christopher Broadhurst, 63, hurled the Labradoodle around after it strayed onto the grass during a crucial part of the game. He's a part-time bookkeeper. He comes from Teddington. He was fined £120 by Richmond magistrates for causing unnecessary suffering to a protected animal. What a stupid man you are, Christopher. Can't believe at 63 you've got no brain between those silly little ears of yours. You don't pick dogs up and throw them around with their tail. Dear God in heaven. I hope you get kicked out of the bowls club for that, bringing shame onto Teddington. Not good enough, is it? Not good enough. You don't do that. It doesn't matter what it is. You do not do that. You just usher it off. Unless, of course, you're a bit of a thug and you begin to sound like a thug. I'm glad that Richmond magistrates find you. I'm hoping next thing. I should be checking, actually, on that one, whether or not Teddington bowls club kick him out. You don't want somebody like that. Definitely not. 84850, Um There's a couple here. They live in a council house, all right? And I thought the idea was... I mean, call me stupid. You live in a council house because you can't afford to buy your own property. That's what I thought it was. Otherwise, we'd all be living in them, wouldn't we? And so you live there, and there's a couple... Uh, this is Stan and Pat. Stan and Pat rent this £65 a week council house. OK, that's fine. I want to kick them out. Why do I want to kick them out? Because 17 months ago, they pocketed four million quid on the lottery. Now, as far as I'm concerned, they're taking up a council house that could be used by somebody else. But the local council say, this is in Suffolk, they've got nearly 2,000 people on their waiting list. They're going to let them stay there. They say, because when you sign a contract with the council, you become a secure tenant. They've got four million quid. Make them go and buy a house somewhere else and free it up. What a stupid council. I'm not anything like it. So, multi-millionaire lottery winners, four million quid, and they, uh, and they stay in the council house at 65 quid a week. You're tight, so-and-sos. Can't believe it. Can't believe it. Oh, I'm terribly sorry. Denise Welsh is out on the town again last night, drunk as a skunk. It's getting more embarrassing by the daytime. This was a NAF birthday party. I only have to mention the fact it was a NAF birthday party. And you know immediately it'll be a friend of Jordan's. Uh, and Denise was drunk again, I'm afraid. It's not good enough, Denise. Your behaviour... You're going to end up with another silly hangover. You'll have to go on loose women and apologise yet again. You know, it's going to kill you, this. Can't say we didn't warn you. I mean, either you're not seeing the signs or you're just not very good with booze at all. Uh, we'll come round to whose uh, who's NAF party it was, because it was the same old... Tired old reprobates, I'm afraid. Uh, Michael Jackson's dad has been banned from the Oktoberfest. Joe Jackson, 80, who Michael hated, you remember, applied for tickets weeks after Michael's death to the VIP section. And they wrote back and said, I'm sorry, we're Austrian and German. We think, actually, you should be grieving for your son, not boozing it up at the Oktoberfest. So they've refused him tickets. <laughs> Fantastic. Only the Germans would do that. Only the Germans would say, no, you're not coming to our little uh, drinking festival. I love it. I should love going to Vienna. To the, there's a, a, a thing right in the middle of Vienna called the Prater, which is the fun fair. 
which is great during the daytime, but at night time it's full of perverts and um, women are all around the outside. It's it's just it's quite tacky and you're advised in all the guidebooks don't go there at night. You just certainly, certainly don't don't send the kids there. And right in the middle they've got um, the uh, Schweizer House uh, and they do uh, Stelzer, which is like a knuckle of pork. And you don't know what size you're getting. You just go, we'll have a knuckle of pork and beer. And these rather buxom Austrian women come, you know, sort of 12 pints. Well, even bigger than pints, I think. And this sort of knuckle of pork, and you have it with a salad. And it's really, you just carve it off yourself. It's really nice. And it, it's really big, big business over there. And I do miss that. It's like German sausages, and, or Austrian sausages, or Wurst or anything. You can't get them over. I don't care what Waitrose tell me they are. They're rubbish. I've bought Wurst from there, and I've put them on my little grill... And I've tried to... And they fluff up. And there's no there's no substance to them. Remember I told you, I've stopped eating Marks and Spencer's cocktail sausages. Because I used to, every morning, come in here with a little tub of cocktail sausages and put half of them in the microwave, and they were delicious. And then, obviously, in, a, in an effort to sort of make more money, the person who supplies them has taken out a lot of the meat. So what you've got in there is filling. And they don't taste proper. You fluff them up. And I remember tasting... I said to my friend Graham, I said, I used to eat these all the time. I said, these are horrible now, so I don't buy them anymore. I, I gave up. Because I thought, I don't like it when they sort of change the, uh, the consistency and they start messing around with it. Just leave it as is, please. Dee says, I bet that nasty man wouldn't have swung the dog around if it had been a Rottweiler. Actually, I'll tell you what, he wouldn't have swung it around if it had been a guide dog. Can you imagine? What a horrible person. We'll mention him again later in the programme. Uh, John says, try growing melons next year. <laughs> Actually, wouldn't it be lovely if you'd grow melons? I know people do grow, but then it's not the same as abroad, is it? But the, the strawberries are fantastic. Ben says, what happened to the poor puppy? Is it OK? I don't know. They didn't tell us. Shouldn't imagine exactly going to be going near anybody again who works on a bowling green. What a horrible man. Hope the Teddington Bowls Club have kicked him out. I'll be checking with the local paper. It's the kind of story they need to follow up on. Anyway, uh, so Katie Price, also known as Jordan, also known as that miserable old cow with a face that could sink a thousand ships, goes out to a, a birthday party the other night because she's, she's very good at going to birthday parties and trying to pretend she's very happy. Already, she stopped talking to the cage fighter boyfriend. So uh, she was having a miserable time, and she goes out to the birthday party of her makeup artist. This is Gary Cockrell, who I thought was about 60, but apparently turns out to be 40. And him and his boyfriend, they do look a little bit like, like northern royalty in a sort of a down-market tabloid kind of way. Anyway, they don't get any pictures in the Daily Star, and, uh, and they go there for Gary's 40th party in, in some place. And uh, he was celebrating in a, in a hotel. I mean, to be honest with you, it was so naff, the guest list. Guess who was on the guest list? The posh bash, they say, was attended by Liberty X star and Kate's close pal, Michelle Heaton, who frankly doesn't get out enough nowadays and only goes to down market events. Model Emma Noble. Since when, love, were you modelling? Do tell us when. Wag Lizzie Cundy and Daily Star babe Melinda Messenger, 190. So they all go out there to this poor old Queen's birthday party. Denise Welsh gets drunk again. And, uh, and there's no... Pi- Gary, there's no pictures of you in the paper, lovey. You'll be so disappointed. But no doubt in your ever-ending quest to try and be famous off the back of uh, Katie Price, there'll be a little something in OK magazine. Because, frankly, the guest list here is pitiful, to say the least. Exactly the same old dogs who turned up for your wedding to fill again. I mean, what else can you do? Dear me, I mean, things must be desperate. Mind you, I'm sure that you're making loads of money out of Kate. Not. 
Uh, Steve, for your German sausages, go to germandeli.co.uk. Do you know, they used to do a lovely sausage in Vienna, and it was uh, Käsewurst. And it's a German sausage, which is quite nice, and inside it's impregnated with cheese. It's delicious. So they cook it normally, and then you sort of slice... Oh, I I could... There was a place over the embankment last year for Christmas, and they did it there, and I had to go and buy them. I had to go and buy them. And they started listening to the programme because I raved over them so much. Because on a cold winter's morning, you can't beat a good dollop of hot sausage. LBC. With the Energy Saving Trust. It's Steve Allen's early breakfast. Friday morning, LBC 97.3. It's 5.30. Morning, team. Nice to be company. Friday morning, LBC 97.3. Doing the papers this morning with Nick Ferrari. After the news at 7 is Tom Parker Bowles. He's going to be doing the food and drink programme on LBC. Went a bit of smoke in here. Because, you know, we said yesterday he's, he's trying to cut down on smoke. Well, he's trying to stop smoking. And it's, it's just physically impossible. It's, it's, unless you re- you've really, really, really got to want to stop smoking. And it's, it's a nightmare for anybody. I know, because I smoked since I was 15 and gave up about... I, don't, I was trying to work it out the other day. Was it five years ago or, or more than that? Five or seven years ago? Anyway, whatever it was, I did it with my producer because we both smoked. She sort of went back onto it. Uh, every now and then, but we did stop, and we discovered the way to stop was not to go out. When we when we arrived in the studio, the first thing we'd do is go cigarette, and we'd go outside. I had a, a producer once, and the first thing I'd do, we came in the studio, go, do you want a cup of tea? I go, yeah, I have a cup of tea. It was the first thing I always wanted. We say, should we go outside for a fag? And we'd stand outside, you know, come rain, come shine, you know, we lashed by the uh, the elements, and we still got a fag on. <sighs> To love it. 60 a day I used to get through. So I know what Tom Parker Bowles is like, but his uh, wife's due their second child. So uh, he's got to stop. But you've really got to want to stop. And some people stop with Alan Carr's method. Some people have done it uh, with, um, with hypnotists. Uh, and some people have done it with patches. I did it with, with patches and then took the patch off. Because the patch gives you the, the nicotine. Oh, that's terribly clever. You absorb it through, through the skin, so it gives you nicotine. Then I discovered you could smoke and have the patch on, and you got double hit of nicotine. And that was like, whoa! Off with the pixies we were on that one, which was quite nice. Um, another one here. Liam Gallagher is campaigning to save honeybees. They don't talk, do they, him and his brother? I think they actually, they're the sort of bit of a bust up, and they don't talk anymore. Queenie fit. Russell Brand was last night revealed to be having a secret fling with Katy Perry. Obviously not, not secret anymore. I don't know why, actually. Why on earth anybody would want to go out with Russell Brand? I've, I've just, I don't quite see it, unless people are sort of a little bit... Oh, not you as well. Oh, God, producer thinks he's great as well. Actually, Carol, Carol McGiffin used to go, poor Russell Brand. She, he just looks like he needs a good wash. He really does. He was on the television the other day. There was a strange thing. Russell Brand in a bath with a man, a homeless man. I don't know if you ever saw it. And they were both start naked and they were washing each other. Well, Russell was washing this other man. And it, was, it, it wasn't homosexual. It was sort of, I don't know what it was, actually. He was just sort of chatting to him, saying, you know, I'm not like that, but I just sort of do this kind of... And they, I've assumed they were off their trolleys. And they were just sitting in a bath to sort of get over it. But I just couldn't see at all what women would see him. But yet I know more women who go, oh. Now Jess is another one of add to that sad, sorry list. Mind you, she likes Blackpool, so what can I tell you? 
We're obviously heading in the wrong direction. You're just a shambles, aren't you? Also, just about to lose her bedroom, I have to tell you, if the local council have their way. <laughs> I mean, you get the feeling things are not really going your way. You know, you get the feeling it's not happening. Uh, Steve, Costco Bratwurst are excellent, says Ian on the central line. We don't know if you're driving a train or not. Do you know, we get all sorts of people listening to this programme. All sorts of strange people. They're either working or they're not working. Actually, I haven't heard from Noreen from Asia, so we must get her, her back on. And um, we get people who work in sorting offices, not obviously in central London, but sometimes on the outskirts. People who drive trek, people who drive buses, which is good. Uh, Dave says, you'll never guess who's back on, on TV. You'll make Greggles. Oh, this is Greg Scott. You've ever seen such a lame presenter in your entire life? Anyway, he used to do one of these. He was so desperate to be famous. He'd done, he'd done pilot shows for just about everything. And apparently at one time he was the warm-up man for Countdown, which is roughly akin to saying you're the warm-up man in a mortuary. Because, I mean, the audience... And it's just... It's, it's pants, I'm afraid, Countdown. It really is. It's for people who do crosswords. And I freely admit, I sit here now and tell you, I cannot do crosswords and have no interest in them whatsoever. Who wants to sit there? Um, OK, seven letters begin... Who cares? What is the point? There is no point. I can understand if there was a point to doing a crossword, but there isn't a point to doing a crossword. It's just... There's nothing. So, OK, eight letters begins with C, finishes with T, and it's something that you do to your grandmother. And you go, I'll go, by the way, that wasn't, I've just made that up, so don't start sitting there thinking you were, you know, thinking you've come up with something original for me, but I haven't, unless, of course, there is a word like that. And people sit there, and then in the, you know, Jeff Stelling, who I used to work with, because he used to be at LBC years ago, he used to be in the sports department, and he'd go, right, well, nobody got the hit. Anybody in the audience? And half a dozen wizened hands go up. I got a lady in the front in the pink. Uh, is, it, is it degenerative? Wait a minute, have a look. Turn the board. Yes, it's degenerative. And all of that, they all sit there, you know, with their boiled sweets on their lap. Because they've had to sit for about six shows, poor souls. <laughs> oh, dear. We have to laugh. John and Edward, twin geeks, according to Ali Ross. And, I mean, they really are. I mean, desperately, desperately unattractive boys who can't sing, I'm afraid. Unless the standards have dropped beyond all belief. Uh, Saturday night, 6.10, says Ali. We have some good, clean, wholesome family entertainment with celebrity escort Sophie Anderton. Half an hour of public service crotch-watching featuring Sophie and all sorts of other break-glass-in-case-of-emergency bookings. Comedy Dave from the Chris Moyle Show. Whoever he is. Who's that? How does that warrant a celebrity, for Christ's sake? John Nasty Nick Altman, team captain Joe Swash and Austin Healy. Plus a host who they say here is so annoying... And even less sincere than Dale. And this is Tony Beak, who quite clearly thinks he's going to be taking over the Celebrity Come Dancing. Another lame presenter, I'm afraid. What with him and Greggles? Perhaps we could hold them both upside down in a bucket of molasses. That'd be quite... Because Greggles is like an oil slick. He's just... He's a bit... He's a bit... I can't describe him as Anton Dubeck or Tony Big, and that's just about it, I'm afraid. I can't think of anything else. Uh, do you have your Christmas and New Year rotarin yet? We do, actually. We were asked the other day about, about Christmas, because apparently, because Christmas Day is on a Saturday, or is, it, or is it Friday? It's on a Friday. Boxing Day is going to now be on the Monday. Boxing Day is going to be... Well, I mean, I know it's going to appear on the Saturday, but for the purposes of working, it's going to appear on the Monday. Makes no difference to me. I couldn't care less either way. You know, gone are the days where it sort of meant something. I don't think it actually means anything now. I don't think so. Do you remember that Sikh we told you about ages ago? Do you remember the Sikh who, who went to court? This is a policeman. 
because his bosses wanted him to remove his turban because he was doing um, um, this... Um, oh, crap, what was he doing? He was doing um, something. They were going out into, into riots, and he was trying to sort out riots. And they said, listen, you need to wear a, a helmet or something. You're, so all the riot police wear crash helmets, don't they? So they said to him, can you wear one? He went, no, because of my religion. So anyway, um, apparently, Greater Manchester Police were told, an, an employment tribunal ruled, he shouldn't have been asked to take off the religious headwear. And they found in his favour, so he didn't have to take it. It makes, you know, I would have thought, I mean, he'd want to protect himself. Call me stupid and naive, but if you're in a, in a riot situation and people are throwing rocks and stones, the one thing you're going to want is something to protect your head. And quite clearly, whether a turban is there, you know, for religious reasons or, or anything else, it makes perfect sense, but not in this employment tribunal. So they've ruled that he doesn't have to wear it, which is fine. So now they're actually saying that uh, uh, today he'll hear how much compensation he's going to receive. What? What? <laughs> Why should you have to give compensation? Listen, they found in his favour. OK, sorry about that. You don't have to, you don't have to ch- take your, your, your headwear off. OK. And for this, you get money. For this, you now get money. Why? Anyway, he's on sick leave at the moment because of panic attacks and high blood pressure. And this is a policeman. You're never going to cope, sweetie, out on the streets. You're really not. It's quite nasty. You want to come around Leicester Square in the morning. You're having a panic attack up in Manchester. Christ alive, you wouldn't last five minutes down here. Off on sick leave for panic. I wish I'd have a panic attack. God, blimey. I'll tell you, if we had a pound for every time somebody said something that was offensive to you, you know, I'd have retired years ago. Dorman Don, good morning. Hope you enjoyed your holes. I did, actually. Were you in South End last night? Oh, lovely. Uh, another one here. Oh, so somebody else asking about the Christmas rotor. As usual, I shall be working it. I don't, uh, I don't, I don't sort of worry about Christmas. Because actually, because of the time I finish in the morning, it's great. It's only if you work later on in the day. Greggles is, is on countdown, says Ray embarking. So, no, he used to be the warm-up man. I don't think he's on it anymore. I think they finally saw the light. <laughs> Reminds me of a song. I saw the light. Uh, crosswords for creatively... <laughs> yes. Angela says it does my head in. I despise anybody who does crosswords. I don't understand why they do them. You see them sitting on trains and they stare up to the ceiling as if to look for divine in- inspiration. Actually, talking of looking to the ceiling for divine inspiration, I used to love his interviews on the television when he would look up there as if God was giving him the next question. Richard and Judy are going to make an appearance on This Morning. They're coming up to a birthday party, and so they've invited them to go on there. Having said they weren't going to appear on our televisions again, they've now told fibs. You know, stay at home, look after the drunk daughter, I think, would be my advice. But no, they're going to appear on... Only for one day. Only for one day. Blanche says, I might get home next week. You know, she's in hospital. My son's smuggled in lovely M&S food every day. And when she says that she'll be on Chicken Kiev, there'll be all sorts of pasties and baguettes and everything else. How nice. Yes, some nice, yes, some bellini, fish and chips, brings in a little portable fryer, cooks by the side of the bed. Sounds nice, doesn't it? I quite like that idea. Actually, I, I, I tell you what, with this post-strike at the moment, I'm getting stuff so late now, I'm just, I'm, I'm just decided not to, not to bother anymore. I've decided not to bother. Because it's ridiculous. Half this stuff's arriving far too late for me. There's a woman here, 71, she's in the dock... And she prodded a hoodie, a six-foot hoodie with one finger. She's five foot tall. She gave him a poke in the chest and a piece of her mind. She looks like the person who can give you a piece of her mind. And uh, she survived life under uh, Hitler's Nazis, fled over the Berlin Wall, married a British army sergeant who ended up being prosecuted, and says, um, 
I feel cheated when she was taken to court on this assault charge. This was apparently after the hoodie grabbed her by the wrist, called her an effing German cow and accused her of being drunk. I'd have smacked him in the mouth. And she was taken to court. Oh, dear. She was given a conditional discharge and uh, told to pay £50 court costs. The bench refused to award the teenager any damages. I'd go and break his legs. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You don't grab a 71-year-old woman by the wrist and call her anything at all. You learn a little bit of respect. In fact, you learn a lot. In your case, I tell you, matey, if you're around my way, I'd run you over by now. Pond life, honestly. Far too many of these stupid people. Uh, 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk. And, uh, oh, they're bringing back Bagpuss. Can't think of anything worse. Why would you want to bring back Bagpuss? Why would you want to bring back Bagpuss? Well, I was going to show you my, look, that's my strawberries. Oh, lovely. Aren't they super? Very impressive. Very impressive. Nice, big, luscious red fruit. Very exciting. Uh, yeah, so they're going to bring back Bagpuss for reasons best known to themselves. First appeared in 74. And uh, now they're going to bring... About the, no, I was going to say 74. It's LBC's year, isn't it? 74. Actually, we're, we're coming up for another birthday and we'll be doing something on the Sunday programme about that because uh, LBC's archive, LBC and IRN's archive, for the last number of years has been digitised by Bournemouth University. And so we'll be talking about that. So all of the early interviews from, you know, the Falklands War, and we'll, we'll play you some of the stuff from our archive and you can hear it because it was all on tape. Every time any interview was ever done... It was put on tape, so somewhere in the archives there is early Steve Allen interviews, which is going to be very exciting. A lot of people arguing over whether or not Bagpush should return. To be honest with you, I really couldn't care less either way. I was was never that bothered. I just thought it looked a bit naff. You see, I I was more wooden tops, I think, and the herbs, and and also I used to like, what was that other, Tales of the Riverbank. It brings us back to Hugh Broom all the time, doesn't it? Because every time there's anything to do with farming, like I was was watching um, this... um, countryside programme on the BBC, which seems to have about 1,500 presenters. I've never known a programme which must cost an arm and a leg. It's the trouble with the BBC. They waste money. You know, farming programme, one person goes out and does it. So they had Matt, I think it was Matt, ex of Blue Peter, who took us to his parents' farm. It used to be Durigur. If you were a Blue Peter presenter, it, it guaranteed you the job, provided your parents had a farm somewhere. And so they could then go down and film lambing and that, that kind of stuff. You know, they should have put Hugh on that programme. Hugh, Hugh would have been very good on it. And Hugh could have shown you about lambing and different coloured eggs and stuff like that. It would have been quite interesting, actually. And then you can see, you know, what an attractive bloke he is. You know, he's a, an eligible farmer. And there is actually a programme I'll tell you at the moment called, I think, Farmer Wants a Wife. And it's a lot of farmers who go out there and it's a reality show type thing. And they then bring in various women who want to sleep with somebody who spends most of his time with his hand up chicken's bottoms. But there you go. I mean, that's the kind of thing people go for nowadays. Quarter to six. <laughs> News headlines. Parents are being warned they may never know if their children were among Vanessa George's victims. The nursery worker from Plymouth and two other people admitted to a string of child sex offences yesterday. There's been another earthquake in the South Pacific island in the last few hours. That as a UK rescue team heads to Indonesia where thousands are still trapped after tremors earlier in the week. And the number of people diagnosed with diabetes has shot up by more than 145,000 in a year. That's according to Diabetes UK. Have a check on the roads for you this morning. It's Hugh Broom. Thank you very much, Steve. Good morning. If you're heading into town on the C97.3. Morning, everybody. Nice to have your company. It's Steve Allen's early breakfast. I see the uh, BBC are planning a turkey-free Christmas. They're going to bring back the Royal Family and the Catherine Tate Show. Woo! Be nice, wouldn't it? And uh, everybody's saying strawberry's very, very good this year. 
And, uh, and Delia says, I disagree with you about crosswords being a waste of time. You too could have a vocabulary to match James O'Brien. Why? I have an audience that's bigger. Why would I need to worry about the vocabulary? Heavens above. I remember saying, some, somebody said to me years ago, they were saying about leaving school at 15. I said, I left school at 15 because you could. And um, I said, hasn't held me back in the slightest in the workplace. In other, you know, other people, they go, I went to university and I did. It doesn't make the slightest difference to me. I didn't need to go to university. I can still fill out the Fairfield Hall three times on the trot quite easily. 11 minutes to uh, six. All this week, John Warrington has been trudging round Italy. It is a holiday, I have to tell you. It's, 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 not, it's not, you know, a, a jolly. Well, it is sort of a jolly, but he has to... T- and, and this morning, we shall tell you how much it costs, just in case you're tempted to do the Warrington route. Uh, we found him yesterday off to Pompeii, didn't we, John? We did indeed, and I did go to Pompeii. Mm-hmm. And it, in fact, I thought of you quite a lot, actually, because it's because quite dead. staggering. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, it is quite staggering. And with all the news this week of what's been happening in Indonesia with the earthquake there and in the South Pacific with the tsunami, it sort of brought to life a little bit more about what actually happened in Pompeii. And when you arrive at the gates of Pompeii, there's a very rude woman. I'm sure she didn't exist in the old days. Which is extremely rude, who takes great joy in telling you, no map, no map, no map. Oh. So there you are, with no map. Now you need a map. <laughs> anyway, I, some, I found a map eventually, and we bought the little, um, they give you these little walkabout things so that you've got the story, and you stop at various points, you know, and you click a number, and it explains who lived there, what happened there, whether it was a brothel, whether it was a, a baker's, or whether it was. Um, a very, very high dignitaries villa. And I really had no idea how big this was going to be. And I said to Stephen, well, we'll probably have a couple of hours there, and then we'll make our way back and do a bit of shopping in Sorrento, etc. A couple of hours is a waste of time. <laughs> it, 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 this is a huge town. It's bigger than Wandsworth. It's massive. And it, that twenty to 30,000 people live there. And it was a big, it was a trading port, but it wasn't, it isn't on the sea. So it's sort of on the brow of Vesuvius. It's on the base of Vesuvius, really. And you, when you, when you arrive, you, you just can't imagine the amount of work that went, that took place. Bearing in mind that the destruction of Pompeii happened in AD 79. Mm. That's nearly 2,000 years ago. And prior to the AD 79, in AD 66, I sound like a historian here. Oh, no, I'm, I'm, um, I'm in danger of nodding off if you give me too many figures. <laughs> no, no, I'll prod you, I'll prod you. I'll say something funny. Um, in AD 76, there had been an earthquake. But in AD 79, what actually happened was um, everybody was going about their business, and suddenly there were these earth tremors, and the water became sulfur-like in the towns around the area, and then suddenly it hit Pompeii, and they had to turn the water off to try and fix it. And then suddenly, all these kind of flames started happening, and then the lava just poured out of Vesuvius. Mm. And it, it happened, it, started, it took three days for it to actually destroy the city, because it was building up, building up, building up. And of course, in those days, unlike us, where we can send rescue boats to places and aeroplanes, they, they had have, nothing. No, they had nothing, no. And they, they also probably, it, it, it probably would have been considered in those days something that the gods were angry with. And so, oh, yes, they, and so people wouldn't have fled until the lava started. Whereas nowadays we know in advance 
because we know it's going to erupt because they've got uh, seismographs everywhere. In those days, they probably just, oh, a little bit of tremor, a little bit of tremor. Oh, my God, it's chucking out all this stuff. Yeah, I didn't know what it was, remember. They didn't understand uh, the the, the science of it all Mm. because they were just innocent people. But in Pompeii itself, it is is staggering. They have a a large theatre, a large amphitheatre, there's, which is in very, very good. It's perfect, absolutely perfect. And then they had a small one where they performed poetry and, mm. uh, for entertainment. And then there's the, the Forum, which is the main centre. It's like the Leicester Square. They would have had LBC Pompeii there. Yeah, I'd have been or would it have been called... It would have been called PLC, It'd wouldn't be, it? It would be Pompeii Radio, Steve Allen Pompeii coming Radio. at you, you know. Mind <laughs> you... you on the the, yeah, I mean, I, I, I can only sort of think at the time, because they, they've got all these... Uh, perfectly preserved roads and little... They're very narrow little roads, aren't they, in between the houses? They are, but they've got sidewalks as well, little yeah. pavements as well, which were raised up and the, the, the road itself was sunk. And, of course, all the chariots and all the horses and, and people sort of doing going about their wares and they had all the shops and lots of brothels, I might hate to add. Nothing like Leicester Square store- at all, then. No, well, no, very similar <laughs> to Leicester Square. <laughs> um, Except the one just around the corner, which we can't talk about. <laughs> no, we must ever mention that. They had rude signs <laughs> over the sides of the, of, of the brothel, and they had all sort of uh, male and female genitalia with pictures oh. above the door, so you knew exactly what you were getting oh, when you walked dear in. Oh, Lord above. And they had a laundry, and they used to, you're going to love this, this is a bit early for this, ladies and gentlemen, so if you're a bit squeamish oh, uh, and, you, and you prefer to do your, your laundry um, in, a, in a good old-fashioned washing machine, you're very lucky. Because they used to use wee-wee to clean the clothes. Yes, yes. And, and so, because it was ammonia, the, the, the yes. ammonia. And so a lot of it smelled of wee. There was a lot oh. of places. There's plenty of places in London that smell of wee on I've a Sunday morning, I can tell you. Like that at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe she's a Roman in a in a previous <laughs> life. She's certainly something. But, <laughs> I don't know. But what. when you when, it, when you get to Pompeii, mm. um, it, it costs eleven euros to get in, and it's well worth. We well, have to pay to go into Pompeii. You do have to pay. To oh go right, into it was somebody's. It's like a turnstile. You walk in. You, Pompeii this way. There is a turnstile. Oh right. There really is a turnstile. How big is it then? What the turnstile? No, Pompeii. Oh, Pompeii is huge. It's actually huge. We spent five hours there and still didn't see it all. Good grief. It, it, it is a city, then? It's a city, yeah. It's vast, absolutely vast. The streets go on and on and on and on. Oh. And I'll tell you what was, in, what was interesting as well. Everybody in those days was cremated. They, they, well, and they we, were. They it was got a volcano. A they didn't have much choice. <laughs> yes, <it's laughs> volcano just sort of thought, this is all taking far too long. Let's get rid of all these people. But they, everybody was cremated. But they never put the, the, the burial grounds inside the city walls because it was considered That's right, it's considered luck. outside, yes, always outside. Always put them outside. Yes. And they have beautiful tombs. There's a whole road of different tombs. And oh. if you were very important, you were allowed to be buried. But only if you were very, very important. Yes. And it, and then there was a there's a whole area, a very beautiful area, where you go down to the um, the the Colosseum part. There's a huge Colosseum. It's nothing like Rome or Verona, but it's pretty big for a for a town. Mm. And they used to have all the gladiators would come and and do their fighting and all of that the animals, and everybody would congregate there. And that's at the sort of the southern part of the city. And there, beyond there, there is, there's a huge park which has been recreated, and people had allotments, and people grew vegetables, and, and, of course, the ash and everything that was produced from the volcano 
uh, from previous eruptions was very, very good for growing vines. So they produced an enormous amount of wine in that area. And thank goodness they still do. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I think people find things like that absolutely fascinating. In the papers while she'd been away, they think they found Nero's dining room which Ooh. was in a circular tower, and they reckon, through a system of hydraulic uh, canalways, this thing turned round. And Ooh, so wow. while you were eating, the whole room revolved. How they've only just found it, I've got no idea. It looks enormous to me. Uh, and they've now got it? stories of Nero in the paper and just what a revolting person he was. You know, murdered his 15-year-old son, cut off his wife's head and gave it to his, his lover as a present... And oh. so, but the but the dining room apparently, and it was all debauchery and everything else, uh, has now been well, discovered. They were quite debauched, but yeah. when you think of the excavation of this, I mean, it's two thousand years under the rocks, and they've had uh, to dig it all out, up. haven't they? Some of the villas, there is a two or three villas there that are absolutely. One of them is the Villa Mystery, which is virtually perfect, and they've got all the all the paintings on the walls. And, yes, because the whole place would have been covered in ash, wouldn't it? It would have been covered in ash and, and lava, and, and which goes hard, of course. Yes. And, of course, years of other uh, earthquakes, and like I say, it would have been way bound below. But it's, it's incredible, yeah. absolutely incredibly well-preserved. And then, of course, you can go and see some of the casts of the people that were found dead, you know, running, yes. where they were hit by the lava and just, you know, almost frozen in time. What, 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 what they like actually did with them, yes, it's like they, they sort of caught them. They were caught in the lava and they then poured, I think, plaster of Paris into the, the, the image that they left and they then got the image of the person. Yeah, they have, and they're all in cases. Yeah. And they've got them in a section. You can go and see dead people, I suppose, really. Lovely. Listen, along I've got to take a break. Pop for the news, okay, so we'll, we'll, we'll yep. call you back the other side and then we'll find out how much uh, all this is going to cost us if we're going over there. So, uh, more from John Warrington on the other side of the news this Friday morning. So, it's the Italian, the Italian trip today. It sounds lovely, doesn't it? I do like it. Although, I did send um, Chris and Sharon away ages ago and I sent them over to Lake Como. You have to remember, the Italian hotel standards are not as good as ours. If they say it's a four-star, chances are it's a two-star. So... Yeah, in fact, they, they, they just make things up. So you've, you've got to be very careful. Try and talk to people who've been there and stayed in particular hotels, especially around Lake Como. So in other words, if you want a really good hotel, you're looking at five and six stars. Because if they say it's a four-star hotel, take my word for it, it will not be anything like you've ever seen before. Myself and uh, my husband. Were... Morning, everybody. It's Friday morning. It's LBC 97.3. It's uh, Steve Allen's early breakfast as we head into the weekend. Lots of pictures in the paper today of Kylie Minogue. She's off on tour. Why don't people start their tours in this country? Why do we end up at the very end of it? You know, they'll go and do Kosamui or something bizarre. You know, Gravesend. Anywhere. They never seem to do London first. One of these days, we're going to end up at the beginning of the list. It's quite nice, seeing as we're the person who probably spends the most money. And uh, Gordon Ramsay. They're turning him into an animated series. That'll be nice, won't it? News is next. It's LBC. Morning, everybody. It's seven minutes past six. Steve Allen's early breakfast. Every saying, bin the twins from the X Factor. This is the Grime twins. They say they're a grime against music. Make of that what you will. I mean, they're, they're, to be honest with you, they, they whinge, they whine, they moan, they're irritating. They've got silly hairstyles. As uh, one of the reviewers says here, they're the worst thing about the pop music business. Dreadful, dreadful, dreadful. 
which is good news. Uh, 84850, are the uh, Regent Street Christmas lights going up uh, very shortly? Yes, I think this year they're sponsored, and I think the theme, if memory serves me, is Dickensian. I think Dickensian is the theme this year. And I think that Disney are doing them. I could be wrong. I know in other years they, they, they've been sponsored by different people and they've, they've been a bit pants, but I think this year they, they should be quite good if they're Disney. They'll probably be old Disney lights because Disney must have, you know, every year, I don't know if you've ever been to Disney and seen the electric parade and stuff like that, which is fantastic, but they must have loads of lights they take down and they sell off, like I think uh, Blackpool, every year they, they take the lights down. Other councils can buy them. Because the next year they'll have something something different. But I'm I'm convinced I read somewhere it was a Dickensian theme. Anyway, back to uh, to John Warrington. We'll just round off with uh, with John for a couple of minutes, so we can tell you about this uh, this holiday. Morning, John. Morning. I think it would be great if Disney took over Pompeii and redid it like a proper proper Disney theme, <laughs> and you could have Disneyland Sorrento. And it would be absolutely fantastic. They could put a lovely roller coaster ride. And I'll tell you one thing that they would do, and my one criticism of uh, Pompeii is the signage when you're there to Mm. find your way around is appalling. They have these tiny little signs which you can hardly read. And also, people bring children in pushchairs. We had one. When we went on the cruise, there was a woman with a pushchair. And every time you got on and off the coach, we had to wait while they had to pack the thing up, then she had to come onto the coach, then put the child down, and then back down again, and then, oh, it was a nightmare. <laughs> well, I tell you, in around Pompeii, and like you said earlier, the streets are quite narrow there, yes. and they're all big cobbles. So you, you can't push the chair over them, no, it's impossible. Right. So there's all these people with babies in prams, and they're carrying them through. It's madness. Never, don't take your children. If you've got young children, wait until they've grown up. Before I, you go I agree. Pompeii. And I think the same on cruises, because every time we had to get in the tender to get over to, to shore, wherever the, wherever the ship was moored, like in Cannes, yeah. we couldn't pull into Cannes, so you moor offshore, and then you go in on the tender. And you've got people having to man lift, you know, lift these push chairs on and off. And they're it's huge, some of these things. Yeah, it's a nightmare. Don't don't even consider it. Yeah. It's like when you come down here to Sorrento, don't rent a car. It's madness. Yeah. There's plenty of forms of transportation. In fact, as I'm looking for on my balcony at the moment, there's a great cruise ship coming into Naples this morning. Yeah. Because they pull into Naples all day, and when you're out and about doing trips and stuff, you see the you know what it's like. You've been on the excursions. Yeah. You've seen them, and there's people, you know, follow me, I'm Royal Caribbean, follow me on yes. MSC Cruises, and it's quite funny. Anyway, let's go back. Right, to cost, cost. How much does this all cost? Well, put this way, what, well, what are you offering on this holiday? Well, on this particular holiday, I booked myself, and I did, there are lots of companies that come down here, but I chose Cosmos. Cosmos, a very old, old, well-established tour operator, mm. and I booked this holiday, which consisted of Return flights from Gatwick with Monarch, who were excellent. I've never taken off so quickly at Gatwick in my life. We left the gate and we were on the runway and on our way. It was marvellous. They were very, very good. So you get your return flights from Gatwick. You get return transfers from Naples Airport to your hotel and back again. We had seven nights in a sea view room on half board. That was breakfast, full breakfast in the morning, a full three-course dinner in the evening. Mm. And that cost. £725 per person. Right. That's not bad. Okay, so that's everything. That's everything. The only extras that we had were the excursions that we chose to do. Uh, That price also included 20 kilos of luggage and an in-flight meal, which today is very rare to have that included. They're normally more expensive. The £725 per person. 
Now, the excursion to Capri that I did, which I spoke about on uh, Wednesday, that from the hotel, including the boat, the small boat that comes to pick you up from the hotel to the main boat, which you do at sea, which is quite an easy thing. Well, not easy if you've got a pushchair, I can yeah. tell you, but you get this sort of boat that goes out and then picks up a bigger boat. And that you get a trip around Capri to the to the two caves, the green cave and the blue cave, and it takes you to the main port. You then spend the day there. That costs 28 euros. Well, that's not so that's bad, not is it? Bad. That's not bad. That's not bad. That's all your transportation that's money, to yeah. and And brings you straight back to the hotel. Yeah. The trip to Pompeii, which consists of uh, the shuttle bus that goes into Sorrento, and most of the hotels down here have a, a shuttle bus, unless you're staying right in the town. It includes the, the train journey from Sorrento to Naples, which takes about 40 minutes. And it's a very busy train, like a commuter train. Right. And it runs all along the coast. And then it's your entrance into Naples and the audio guide, was 21 euros. Oh, that's not bad at all, is it? Well, that's not bad, is it? That's a whole day out for 20 quid. Yes, that's not bad. Which is very, very cheap. I agree. Over here, of course, it'd be something like £78 or something. Now, what about food? Well, well, food was included in our our package there. So we had dinner every night. This is the four-star hotel, and it's called, just to remind people, it's called the Hotel Delfino. And you can look at them on their website and get yourself a Cosmos brochure. And there are various other tour operators that feature it. Mm. And it's a four-star hotel. It's got beautiful swimming pool, terrace gardens. And it is in the most stunning position you'll ever find. I mean, it is absolutely glorious. And I'll show you some pictures when I get back of what I mean. The meals of an evening are... They're okay. They're They're not fantastic. They're they're quite... You know, you get two or three... You've got three courses and you've got three three or four choices from each one. I must say that the food was only okay. I wouldn't... I wouldn't give it a huge rating. Um, but But the best thing about it is my bar bill which I thought you might find quite amusing, right. because the holiday only costs £725 per person. But our bar bill is €450. Oh, Euros. No. Yeah. That, that, that's for two people? Yeah, that's for two people. Oh, well, that's all right. For, for, for a week and a bit? A week? Yeah, it's not bad, is it? That, and that's wine at lunchtime. Yeah. And some lunches in there. Yes. And, um, the, uh, and wine in the evening, wine with your dinner, a drink before dinner, wine and a drink afterwards. Up. So four hundred and fifty euros yes. is not bad. It's not bad for you at all. Most other people give about the... twelve quid. All right, I'm just telling you that <laughs> John enjoys a bit more of a drink than most people do. <laughs> That's what I said. <laughs> the average person around here has spent ten Christ. euros. Yes. We've gone to four hundred and fifty. Oh well, I did that yeah, on, the, I... on the cruise ship. I mean, you know, the, the, the cruise was relatively inexpensive. You take into consideration how much I spent on the bar, and because I was buying the kids' drinks and milkshakes and stuff like that. Of course. Yeah, and it all does mount up. The only thing was, and I did think of our trip to Paris, actually, uh, when we went to Paris. Remember yeah. when we had yes. those three croque-monsieurs and three coffees, and it yeah. was 50 euros? Yes. Well, in 50 Pompeii... Pounds. 50 pounds. Yeah. There was only... In Pompeii, you... Um, there's only one place to get food, and so I would take a little packed lunch, because right. we had two very small sandwiches, two Coca-Colas, and a little cake thing, yeah. and that came to 17 euros. Right. At seventeen pounds in yes. today's money, sounds like Leicester That's Square prices. Yeah, Leicester Square prices. Much I nicer you were to, to eat in our county. Yes, dreadful, dreadful. <laughs> Listen, I've got to leave it there. So, all in all, you had a nice time. It's wonderful. Yeah, well worth it. Yes, and it's well in the Cosmos project. Other people nice. do it, but John went with with Cosmos. I did indeed, and, and um, they were very good. Good. I'm glad you enjoyed it. And you, you yeah. fly back when? I fly back today. Oh, in fact, right. I was hoping 
that Hugh Broom was going to tell me about the traffic situation on the Sorrento-Naples Road. But obviously that didn't come into his, his category this morning. No. I mean, I begin to wonder. He, he's now sitting there going, of course, if you've told me earlier, I could have done it. No. <laughs> you know what he's like. <laughs> he'll, he'll be you Mr Grumpy looked, now. <laughs> he, he could have looked up on the, on the satellite link, couldn't yes, he, really, and, yes. and honed in on the coastal road. Well, but we leave today and we're home this afternoon. Yes. Well, at least we'll have, have a nice flight back. It's only short, isn't it? It's two hours. They are. Lovely. Absolutely, Absolutely perfect. Content. All right, Kevin. Anything more than two hours is boring. Okay. Have a great day. Have a nice flight. Thank you very much. We'll see you next I'll week. See you next week. Okay. Yeah. There's John Warrington. 16 minutes past six. News <laughs> headlines, Matthew Schofield. Dozens of parents are facing an agonising wait to find... Thank you very much indeed with the aforementioned man. Here he is, Hugh Broom. Thank you very much, Steve. Uh, good morning for the A4.3. She is the Barnet. Tom Parker Bowles doing the papers this morning with uh, Nick Ferrari. Because Tom joins us to do the food and drink programme on Sunday. He'll be sitting up there now, desperately wishing he had a cigarette in one hand, desperately trying to work out how far you've got to go down the stairs to go outside. Uh, Kevin Maguire, Associate Editor of the uh, Daily Mirror on the uh, politics side. We're talking about the media guilty of lowering morale in Afghanistan. Uh, also, the Mayor on EastEnders. Is the BBC maybe a bit biased? I talked to Mike Ward, the TV critic. Uh, brain-boosting drugs. You know they're saying that there is a drug that I take every day, which they say can extend your life. And I'm a bit excited. Most diabetics will be taking this as well. I take it with insulin. And it's metformin. And apparently it's not a very expensive drug, but it, it extends your life. Way. How fantastic. Which is good. I had an email yesterday. We get them from Royston. We get them we get from all sorts of people in the building. In fact, we had a very funny one yesterday where the, where the, the security... Uh, during the week, say, can you send us in a list of uh, of people who are actually going to be coming in on the programme? So we're, we're expecting them. There's no good at just having somebody turning up. And, um, and so we all, all got a bit excited. So what happens is the, uh, the the producers generally send in a list of whoever is is going to be appearing over the weekend. And and the funniest one was one that I got. Wait a minute, I've got to find the thing now. I shall find it. Uh, I wonder if it's that one there. Um, oh no, so that's what I've got. it was another one from Courtney actually, which I got very good. Very good one from Courtney. But this was from some... That's right, Weekend Security. And it said, please take a minute to email us if you're due in over Saturday and Sunday. And what you generally do is you write a list back to them of the guests you've got coming in. Not so Christian Nash, a producer at Capital, who wrote in and said, yes, please, for Sunday afternoon from midday. But, of course, he mass-mailed it to everybody. So it goes to the entire company. So the people are opening it up thinking, who the dickens is that? And then he follows it, 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 it up with... Oh, good. Well done, me. Because obviously somebody wrote back to him and said, listen, you're emailing the entire company with this thing. <laughs> However, yesterday, sitting outside the front door in Weatherspoons, as she is prone to doing, was Diana from Richmond. And she said, I thought I'd pop into your offices. I was, I'm up for the, uh, from the sticks for the day with my friend. We've been sitting in Weatherspoons all afternoon with a glass of wine, not realising Global was next door. I mean, you can't miss this building. It's one of the biggest buildings in the square next to the cinema. And in fact, I think we're even bigger than the cinema. Much bigger. And, uh, and that was cheers from Diana from Richmond. And then Courtney says, they were two fab ladies. They listen to you every day. He says, see you tomorrow. Because Courtney's always listening to this programme. And he's the first person you meet as you walk into the building. He's the one who decides if you're good enough to come in. Sometimes I've never got further than the front door. I'm not allowed up the stairs or anything like that. And I, I said, I didn't realise you had a... You had a 
a lift at the back then. We've got the lift that goes up and down. So Gladys Knight came up in the lift the other day. And I always tell him, I was going, Gladys Knight's coming in or whoever it is. So you'll hear her this weekend on In Conversation. Barbara says, uh, whatever is the humble crossword puzzle done to attract such comments this morning? Because it's boring. They're boring. I don't do them myself, but my late stepfather was a devotee. Always did the crossword puzzles in The Times, The Guardian, The New Statesman, The Spectator, The Sunday Times and The Observer, and regularly won prizes, usually a book token. It's dreadful, isn't it? It's like people who, who sort of go on air on radio and you feel like they've swallowed a thesaurus. They use big words that they probably used in the university debating chambers. And they sort of just... In, I'm sure they sit down at home and write in some big words. It's so boring. It's not used in everyday conversation, unless you're a complete snob. Most people just have a normal conversation with normal words. They don't sort of stick in these... I do th- sometimes think people have swallowed thesauruses. Ray in Barkingside says, Will you be doing the Italian cruise next time? Very bitter. Very bitter. Uh, Steve says, uh, Jill, Pompeii stands on 13 acres. Fantastic. Lynn says, wish my lovely sister Anne a happy 50th birthday on Saturday. And Lisa remembers the, uh, uh, the Pompeii because she went there. So she found the conversation very interesting. Thank you for that. Uh, a lot of people talking about the story which is on the front of the newspapers this morning. You can't get away from it. The woman who worked in the nursery and uh, who's been arrested for sex attacks on tots admitted her vile crimes yesterday along with two perverts she met on Facebook. I just can't... Um, I don't really know what I can say, actually. Apart from bring back hanging, but that's about as good as it's going to get. Uh, everybody talk about X Factor and the X Factor boss's love, hunky Ethan Borion. He's the one, I think, he's very friendly with somebody else there and they're trying to make out there's some, uh, some sort of relationship going on. Uh, that's right, a bromance, because they're brothers. Like, you know, well, they're not brothers, but they're sort of brothers, you know, in arms kind of thing. And so they're calling it a bromance. Mind you, I mean, you know... I've seen some bromances, but I've not seen one like this. You know, touching each other's faces, holding hands. It's not really a bromance, is it? A little bit more than a bromance. Anyway, here they are, decision time. And uh, they will select the acts to make the final 12. To be honest with you, I've got no idea who's going to win. We do watch. We do find it interesting. In the same way that we're sort of fascinated by Michael Jackson. Very healthy. Very healthy. None of the rubbish that people tell you that he was exhausted, that he was this, he was that. He was not. He was absolutely fine until he had the injection of propofol. And it was that, administered by uh, his doctor, Murray, that has been blamed for Jackson's death. He had broken ribs, but that was from the CPR. He had um, tattoos to hide the baldness. His skin was losing colour. But they say, apart from that, and slightly inflamed lungs, he was in perfect condition. I mean, you'd have to be. If you've seen the clips on the television, as I said at the beginning of the programme, you'll realise that if you were doing a show as demanding as his, and that's why it makes me laugh, because you you get people going out there, and unless you're super, super fit, like somebody like Madonna, and even she's been accused by Elton of miming certain bits, because if you're doing a strenuous dance routine, you cannot sing. It's, it's, you know, you can't breathe. So that's why groups like JLS... You know, if if they go out on, on tour, they'll have to mime most of it because you can't do dance numbers and start lifting up your shirt and stuff like that. I've got grave doubts about the Nolans, as I said a, a short while ago. Barbara Streisand on Jonathan Ross tonight. Pfft, she'd have done far better coming on with me. She got a much better interview. Much better. Much better, says Sarah. And uh, Steve, says Johnny, anybody know why roadworks are not worked on 24 hours, seven days a week? If they're a priority, why are they doing eight till four plus breaks? 
They, well, I don't understand. Well, I told you years ago, I went to Copenhagen. Dale and I went over there for a weekend break, and they were repairing one of the bridges. Over here, they'd have combed it off and left it. The Richmond Circus Roundabout is an utter dog's turkey dinner, whatever you want to call it. They don't need to do it. It's a council wasting money. And so they bring down one of the main roads into London into one lane. They've been doing it forever. Why can't they work on it overnight? Why can't they work on it overnight? Because they're bone idle, that's why. And nobody seems to do it, Johnny. You see roadworks sitting there. Nobody works on them. In fact, at one time, the Standard had a campaign to find out the longest roadworks and why nobody was doing anything. I mean, it's just appalling. I mean, Richmond Circus was working perfectly well before, thank you very much indeed, before the council starts sticking their noses in it. Brian says, the other day I sent my girlfriend a huge pile of snow. I rang her up, I said, did you get my drift? OK, it's an old one, but it's the best you're going to get. It's Friday, for goodness sake. You're not paying for it, so don't try not to worry about it too much. Simon went to see Erasure. And uh, you may remember they're an electric 80s music band, so they used an Apple laptop that was hooked up to the keyboard. Uh, the look of the lead singer's face was shock because they were singing a song. It got stuck and crashed. Well, actually, the, uh, the Pet Shop Boys as well push a button on the keyboard and it, it plays it. It plays it. So you don't actually have to sort of do anything. And Simon says, the ticket only cost me £20 and I loved it. But I think if London is the place that spends the most to see people, then I think you want to see somebody performing live. Well, I do. I mean, if, if you went, as I said the other day, to go and see Oliver, for example, or Phantom of the Opera or Wicked, and they, and they mimed on stage, you'd feel cheated. In the same way that every time I've seen the Nolans on television, they've mimed, and they've been blooming awful at it too. And JLS at the Mobos mimed because they can't sing live. And the record company, Steps never perform live. Never perform live. And their producer, as you know, said on this programme, I'd never let them sing live. He said they wouldn't sell a record. He said, do you think I've slaved away in a recording studio to have them go on television and ruin it completely? No, 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 no. I mean, there was one boy who never sang at all in Steps, poor soul. In fact, he used to sit there and go, miming again. And that was it. And of course, Steps are no more. I wonder how long we give JLS. London's biggest conversation. LB18. It's Steve Allen's early breakfast. LBC 97.3, it's 6.30. Poor old Petra in Sheffield says, Good God, man, you diss crosswords. Quite clearly very young and childish, because nobody writes like that. And then you say you find X Factor fascinating. Your spelling is like that of a three-year-old. I've never known anybody who can't spell. You can't spell a... T- I'm surprised you actually got your name right. He says, is your mind narrowing? No, I go with the majority. Put it this way, more people watching The X Factor than are doing silly, girly crosswords. Thank you very much indeed. Anyway, on to the uh, horse racing. And Alex says, what are we going to do with the newsroom boys? They seem not to believe us about the forfeit at the end of the year. No speedos, no Photoshop. It applies to me as well, he says. If I top £100 lost by the end of the year, I'll have to email in the nude. Doesn't seem to worry... uh, Matt at all, really, does it? I'm already feeling I might be ill over Christmas. <laughs> I've a feeling I've, bu- I've booked the day off now, <laughs> because yesterday your uh, nag, Katabard... Uh, yes. Uh, was it Nata... No. Uh, Natab. Katab, wasn't Katab, it? Yes, Katab. Katab. Yes. Out of nine yes. running, yes. you came in... Yes, ninth. Sixth. Oh, that's good. Oh, br- brilliant. If you thought it was coming in ninth and it came in sixth. That's, it's 80, beaten my expectations. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> £80.78 are in debt. Oh, we're getting there, aren't we're we? Getting there. We're However, far off. Alex had bossy kitty. <laughs> Did he? One at seven to one. Oh, whatever. Picked up £14. Pounds. Oh. Total loss, 
£3.62. Oh, that's depressing, isn't it? I'd start doing the sit-ups today. Depressing. I know. He's, he's very good, though. He's very good. I'm, I'm, having, I'm having a week off sick over Christmas. <laughs> I don't blame you. He's off to Wolverhampton today for the shot in the dark. The 7.50, quite late as far as I'm concerned. Feeling foxy, win only. Feeling foxy. They also go today at uh, Hexham, Lingfield and Newmarket. I'm going with the 2.30 at Newmarket. Lady of the Desert. Right. Mm. OK, sounds good. Sounds good. Got a little bit of a mystical kind of property about it. Mm. I like that. Yep. Won't win, of course. No. Nope. And, um, you know, we'll find out on Monday. We will. All right, Matt. Have a nice weekend. And you. Cheers, Steve. Take care. Matthew Schofield there. So <laughs> he's got no idea about the forfeits. No idea about the forfeits. Because we will make him pay if he goes over the 100 for Christmas. Steve Allen. 25 minutes to uh, 7, Tom Parker Bowles, author and LBC presenter now. I'll be doing the papers with Nick this morning. And it's, it's going to be this, this story, isn't it, that makes the front of uh, all the papers. Although the one that interests me more is uh, who's in and who's out at Simon Cowell's million-pound birthday party. I like the idea of doing a million-pound birthday party. The guest list, it'll, it'll be more interesting as, as to who's not invited to the party. Now, I'm not at liberty to tell you now whether or not I'm going or whether I'm not going, but I know, I know the venue, and I reckon I can sneak in there with the car so it shouldn't be too, too difficult to do. But who's going and who isn't going? They've done a big piece. Strange enough, in the Daily Mail today. I wonder who will be going. Will Piers Morgan be going? Yes, even after the interview with... I don't know if you saw the interview with Cliff Richard... It was a little bit Piers sounding a bit desperate and looking as if he was trying to get a free villa for his holidays. <laughs> that was the only way I could think of it. Because it, it wasn't... His interviews are a little bit drippy. They're not... It's all right if you're doing an interview for a, a newspaper, but if you're doing it for the television, you know, there is only the one question. People want to know about Cliff Richard, and you're never going to get the answer to that. And they all go round the houses on it. But that, of course, is the only reason that people ever interview him. That and the fact that we used to call him the Peter Pan of pop. We know... You know, we don't call him the Peter Pan of pop now, because the poor man's heading to 70. There is a limit to how long you can keep being that. Food and drink with Tom Parker Bowles, Sunday afternoon, 4 o'clock. Uh, he'll be donning an apron and stepping into the LBC kitchen. He'll be joined by Master Chef Marco Pierre White to discuss what makes a successful restaurant and how you two can create perfect dishes at home. Tom will be joined by restaurant critic Faye Mashler, his very name strikes fear into the head of every restaurateur in London. So you can join Tom Parker Bowles for Food and Tricks Sunday from 4 on LBC 97.3. Joe Brown. Actually, they offered me Joe Brown as an interview, but I've, I've done Joe before. And he sung that great song, I'll See You in My Dreams, at the George Harrison Memorial Concert at the Royal Albert Hall. And I've got that on DVD. Very good. Uh, Michael Palin says Britain should stop apologising for its colonial past. I bet you'll be talking about that later on today. I always remember Michael. We did him for a, an in-conversation last Christmas. And very good he is, too. But he arrived back in London and he went to a newspaper stall. To, you know, he'd been away doing his Around the World in 80 Days. Had a really nice time, got some great film footage, really lovely interviews and stuff like that. Arrives back and there's the world's grumpiest newspaper seller at Oxford Circus. And so uh, Michael's buying this paper. And the bloke, don't film me, don't film me. And Michael goes, they're not filming you, they're filming me. And it kind of puts you off, doesn't it? You know, you get somebody like that who you think, what, are you a crook or something? Well, you know, why you not want to be filmed? This is Michael Palin. God, everybody's so miserable nowadays. Why can't people be happy? Except if they're doing, you know, crosswords or something like that. Uh, who has a 13-truck entourage, insists her towels match her peach complexion, and concert tickets can cost £550. 
Barbara Streisand, of course. I think she looks great for that. 67 she is. But there again, she's got enough money. First husband was Elliot Gould, Emma Sharif, Robert Redford. Second husband, James Brown, all the people she's, uh, she's worked with. I think she looks great. Don't like the new album, I'm afraid. Don't think it's that great. I really don't think it's that great at all. I think it's... People say, oh, it's, it's sort of vintage Barbara Streisand. No, it's not. Definitely not vintage Barbara Streisand. And what are half a million car crashes caused by every year? Come on, hands up. Half a million car crashes every year caused by... Okay, ladies, it's you, and it's you putting on makeup at the wheel of the car. Now, I've seen it, you've seen it. You've probably done it, and it causes crashes because all of a sudden you're down there, you're a lippy, and a bit of that, and then bang, straight into the back of the car in front of you because that's brake to avoid somebody else doing exactly the same. I've seen people shaving. I saw a woman driving down the motorway a short while ago with the map resting on her steering wheel, and she's reading it. And what I wanted to do was crash into the side of her just to really put her off. Because I'm thinking, you can't be that stupid. And then I looked at her and I thought, well, you must be that stupid, I'm afraid. And, uh, and it's terrible. It's absolutely terrible. So it's ladies, I'm afraid, putting on makeup in the car. There's occasionally, it could be a, a man putting on... It could be a man putting on makeup. Could be. I think it's very unlikely, though. There's a woman in the... In the, in the tr- she gets on the train every morning. She gets on, and first of all, she stuffs her face with whatever she's managed to grab from one of these fast-food takeaway-type places. And, and then she sits there putting on her makeup, And she does the whole bit. You know, we do eyebrows, and this, and that. And, and then she becomes a different person. Fantastic. Dan turned down Simon's invite to his party... He says, off home now for the weekend. And yes, I did turn down Simon's invite. Come on, tell me what the invite looks like. I know you're fibbing. At least you have a nice weekend, although the weather's going to be atrocious. They say rain and miserable and cold and damp as it really becomes autumnal. But I love it. I absolutely love it. I'm sick to death of the... Uh, uh, sick to death of the... Uh, the sort of this sunshine stuff we're having. I've done all the pots. I've watered everything. Done it. Absolutely fantastic. Um... Steve, uh, what Katie did next last night, did you watch it? No, not at all. She's in the paper today. She's obviously desperately trying to get sort of some sort of attention, but frankly, nobody's interested in her. She went to her um, gay makeup artist's uh, 40th birthday. I mean, honestly, a makeup artist still at 40. It's a bit worrying, isn't it? And he's so desperately famous, but there's no, no picture, so OK must have done them. And she looked as miserable as sin, I'm afraid, which was. Uh, which was uh, rather a shame. So I didn't see it, I'm afraid. Uh, did you read about the watch, says Tony, that Peter Mandelson was wearing? Yep, it's a £22,500 Patek Philippe. Uh, I'm not bothered about watches. We discussed this on the programme the other day. To be honest with you, I couldn't understand why somebody would wear, you know, £50,000 Rolex. Footballers do, and then they get them nicked. And you think, because somebody wants to... Wa- why you want to... Wa- it tells the time. I look at my watch, and it might cost, you know... X thousand pound, but it still says it's 16 minutes to seven. And then it turns out to be wrong, because it's 18 minutes to seven, so it obviously wasn't that clever at all. But there you go. 84850, Steve at LBC. Petra in uh, Sheffield says, clearly my spelling is own... Oh, you really... You must be about five years old. I've got, I've got an 11-year-old who spells better than you. I'm afraid you're rather, rather sad. But never mind, so we'll leave you to one side. We'll let you, uh, let you stew in your own juice, as they say. So they're now trying to um, sell Bournemouth as an airport. Now, I'd forgotten that Bournemouth's got a, an airport. And what they're doing now is they're actually 
they'd been flying for Palm Air, been flying from Bournemouth for 50 years. I had no idea. You can go to Fuerteventura, Tunisia, Lanzarote. You're welcome to it. A dump, as far as I'm concerned. And, in fact, actually, I'm looking... The place I'm looking at is where we stayed. The picture is of the place where we stayed. Don't go. It's horrible. Horrible. Kids liked it, but then children like it. As long as it's got sand and water, the kids will go anywhere. They really don't care. Uh, Madeira, Corfu, the Algarve, and uh, Tunisia. In fact, that's about all the places that they fly to. So there you go. But uh, it, w- what we went to was like a holiday complex. I say the, the, the kids liked it because it was like, you know, they had a little private beach. Because on, on um, Gra- uh, L- L- Lanza Grotti, there's no proper beaches because it's all volcanic. The whole island is volcanic, so there's, there's no decent sand anywhere. Apart from uh, from this, you know, that you've got round our little thing. We absolutely loved. Well, the kids liked it. I wasn't over keen on it, and the food was a bit, a bit ropey. Louis Walsh was in turmoil over a mafia death threat. I mean, you can't believe it. I mean, who on earth, in their right mind, is going to attack, attack Louis Walsh? The pop supremo almost drowned while filming for the show in Italy, and a sinister Godfather-style contract has been blamed. This is after he turned somebody down for the X Factor. Some poor soul called. Wait a minute, I'll tell you exactly who it is. Somebody called Johnny Rocco or something. I think it was Johnny Rocker, a rather peculiar-looking creature. And um, and he says... Uh, Louis turned around and said, you're just a pub entertainer. And Johnny Rocco says, you're talking stupid. Remember the name, Johnny Rocco. Looks like he's about to drop dead, actually. So, uh, the finger, you've been given the finger, Rocco, OK? Don't bully my friend. My friend, uh, Mr Louis, is a nice man, all right? I don't know how that was supposed to sound like. <laughs> Steve at lbc.co.uk. Take a short break. It's quarter to seven. News headlines, Matthew Schofield. Parents of children who attended the nurse. Apply. With the travel, Hugh Broom. Thank you very much, Steve. If you're heading on the Great West... Minister 7, LBC 97.3 is giving you the chance to win tickets to the National Home Improvement Show. The show offers interior decorating ideas and advice from experts, including George Clark from The Home Show and Julia Kendall from DIY SOS. Held at Earls Court, the National Home Improvement Show is taking place this weekend. For your chance to win tickets, go to the LBC website, lbc.co.uk. The National Home Improvement Show with LBC 97.3. Actually, if you go and check out the LBC website, there's all sorts of things on there, including you can learn about podcasting. You can podcast the programme. So, in other words, if you're one of those people who go, I really cannot get up at four in the morning to listen to Steve Allen, then you podcast together with thousands and thousands of other people. And uh, we're very grateful to you for that. Plus, of course, you can download everything on LBC. Absolutely everything. And it goes back years till we st- you know, from the very first time we started doing podcasting. All the shows are there and you can download and keep them. You don't sort of have some special password that means that after your subscription's expired... Uh, you lose them, you get to keep these forever. So it's well worth hanging on to because there's some really good stuff on there. So if you go to lbc.co.uk, you can also check out all the presenter photographs, including some of the early team of LBC presenters going back to the day. I can't remember if there's a picture of Jeff Stelling on there, who now does Countdown. But of course, uh, in the early days, he was LBC and he was one of the sports boys. Uh, Danny says, which hotel did you stay at in Lanzarote? It wasn't a hotel. It was, um, they were beach apartments beachfront apartments. I've got no idea what they were called. They were that unmemorable as far as I was concerned. Um, I've got a picture in the paper today of uh, the first ape woman, which was uh, only four foot tall, rather hairy, and this is your four and a half million year old ancestor. 
So uh, here it is. And so that's what we... Ca- See, kind of, it, it sort of debunks the Bible, doesn't it, this? People go, I thought we came from Adam and Eve. No, this was a long way before Adam and Eve, I'm afraid. Long way before. I wish they'd allowed people into Tiananmen Square the other day to have a look at this, this celebration that the Chinese have to mark 60 years of communist rule. Because to all intents and purposes, it looked fantastic, but it was only 30,000 people invited, and it certainly wasn't the commoners. You know, you were, you were not allowed... At all, I'm afraid. So you, you weren't invited. I'd love to have gone there. Absolutely love to have gone. That must have been absolutely fantastic. And, uh, and Dan says, on the subject of the weather, he said we can all enjoy rubbish weather now on our day off. Actually, I'm only looking forward to the car being cleaned down, as you can well imagine. Because this year, I just haven't bothered. I just haven't bothered to do anything at all. And yeah, I, kept, I looked at it this morning, I thought, I must get the car cleaned today. So I'll probably go and uh, get that sorted out later on. Post office closures, of which there are many... Actually, talking of that, you know that uh, Tom in Twickenham has left the Fox. And uh, I went past it the other day. I was going to have a word with Alec and Hillary, who've got the barmy. And I was going to have a peer in the window. Before, they just had pieces of cardboard up. Now that Tom has moved out, and he's gone to uh, another place, I think. And hopefully listening this morning to the programme, because we miss him desperately. And, uh, and I, I was able to peer through the cardboard the other day. Now you can't. They've whitewashed over the windows. So you can't see in at all. And somebody said they're going to change it into a bistro pub. I wasn't actually thinking it was big enough to, con- to convert into a bistro pub. But I shall, I shall watch and, uh, and wait with great interest. But post office closures, because ours closed down, then it moved into a, a fast food place. Oh, actually, I've no news. Something I was going to tell you. Lots of people's Woolworths that were closed down all over the place when Woolworths collapsed were turned into Iceland. Ours, I think, is going to become an upmarket pound shop if such a thing exists. I was watching the other day, moving in boxes of rubbish from China and places like that, thinking to myself, oh, it's in time for Christmas, isn't it? It'll be the, one of these rubbish shops. In other words, it'll be somebody who opens up, and because already they've sort of piled up cushions and stuff like that. Who buys this? I've got no idea. I should go and have a quick look round it. But they've only got, I think, three quarters of the Woolworths, because we had a huge one for the size of Twickenham. Our, our one was enormous. And they'll probably sell all the usual rubbish that was sold in some of the other little shops, like, you know, get a roll of bin liners or, you know, a flashing badge or something like that. So that'll be interesting. But the post office closures mean twice as many customers struggled to get to their nearest branch since Labour came to power. One in ten households have had problems getting to their local branch. This equates to five million people. That's more than double the proportion in 1997. To be honest with you, I mean, I thought that the the post office, especially in the rural communities, was the lifeblood. That was the thing that got people out there. But they couldn't make any money out of it. They absolutely couldn't make any money at all. And it was a great shame, so people having to say, oh, can we campaign to keep the local shop open? And then lots of um, ones opened as little um, community post offices and community shops where the whole community got involved. They all bought shares and they all take turns to run it. And those have been fairly successful, which is good news. In the light of Willie Carson admitting ignoring his love child for 48 years, Jonathan Aitken... And the daughter he didn't know existed till she was 18 revealed why he's made a catastrophic mistake. So they've got Petrina Khashoggi and Jonathan Aitken and talking about, you know, discovering somebody. I don't know, Willie Carlson. I'm a bit surprised at that. A little bit surprised. And the one thing you've all gone potty for, I mean, apart from LBC generally and, uh, and the podcasts and stuff like that and the competitions and all the rest of it, is homemade jam. This is the new, the new thing. Now, there'll be people over a certain age going, oh, God, we've been making jam for years. Well, apparently, we've now 
gone into a revival for homemade jam. So people are going out and buying strawberries or berries or going along the hedgerows and uh, picking in... Yes, and I've just eaten strawberries, actually. I've just eaten my strawberries, which is very good. And then all of a sudden, uh, people are now making their own jam. Now, it's not easy to make. You've got to go out, you've got to get a thermometer, and you've got to get all these other bits of the paraphernalia that goes along with with sort of making jam. My mother used to make jam. I can't remember if we used to eat it, though. All I remember in the cupboard, I'm sure there might have been a jar of jam in there or something, we used to eat lemon curd. Lemon curd. How vile was lemon curd? Some people used to absolutely love it. But jam is now the thing. So the key ingredients, just jam and fruit. And the jars you can get, you go to a place like Lakeland, and they do all the all the, uh, the jars that you will ever, ever need. You've got to sterilise jars. You've got to get the wax tops. If you're going to do it properly, you know, and actually sell it like, like the WI, then you've got to do it properly. You've got to boil the fruit. You've got to de-pip as well. Don't forget to de-pip. And we did hand-seeded jam, which we had the other day. Do you remember on the £22,000 breakfast? We had the £22,000 breakfast. And it was de-seeded jam. When somebody literally by hand de-seeds it. You've got, to, you've got to place the sugar in a deep tray, heat the oven for ten minutes, and you've got to ladle the jam into a glass jar, then pour into the individual jars. Very unmessy, that bit, compared to all the rest of it you've had to do. So if you're a successful jam maker, do, do let me know, because you're going to need everything. Preserving jars. Actually, strangely enough, the, uh, the paper this morning say that you can get those in Lakeland. £13.99 for a set of six. You've got to have jam pot labels... Apparently there is a shop called jamjarshop.com. So presumably it's your one-stop shop if you're a jam maker. Good luck to you. Uh, Jordan Hell, while Pete is mobbed. Pete went to the Mobos. I've got no idea what he was doing there. No idea. Wandered in by mistake. There were pictures yesterday in the paper of him. Uh, looking a bit of a numpty, I'm afraid. Uh, BBC chiefs have blasted their own entertainment department for not coming up with enough new hit shows. You know, they have a whole department devoted to working out new shows. And all they've done so far is sort of resurrect old ones or come back with old formulas, which aren't that, uh, aren't that good at all, I'm afraid. Uh, and you know that next year you've got some real dire stuff coming up on the television. I think people have run out of ideas. They've suddenly realised that you cannot compete with The X Factor, you cannot complete, uh, compete with Strictly Come Dancing, uh, or anything like that. Anything that involves the public making fools of themselves or becoming idiots is the thing that gets the biggest television audience. Unless it's about history. And history programmes you will watch. Or, or farms, because I do watch Victorian farms. I, I, do not, I don't know why I'm watching Country Farm. There must be something in my head that's gone a bit doolally, I'm afraid. But I do sit there watching it thinking, my God, we've got a lovely country to live in, haven't we? Uh, Steve says, Tyrone, I stayed at a lovely hotel, Lake Garda. I can't remember the name of it, due to too many bacon sarnies and looking after Pat and Kenny. He said, when are you coming to Croydon? I've got loads of people who want to see you, Mr Dodge and Paul and John. Well, who knows? We'll have to wait and see. It can't be this year. can't be this year. They've also changed the, uh, the system at the Fairfield Halls in Croydon. So uh, we'll wait and see. We'll wait and see for, for just after. Apparently, Tfell sell an electric jam maker. An electric jam maker. And, uh, and Jill says, Lakeland have a Brill jam maker. You see, you don't even need to bother to do these things now. You really don't. All you need to, to worry about is can you plug an item in? And if you can plug it in, the chances are it'll work uh, very, very well. Daily Express this morning on the front page. Strictly Brendan Cole turns killer. He was filming a, uh, one of these shows. It was a, a travel show, I believe. And he went to this uh, island in the garden. He found this 
uh, chicken, and he hit it with a catapult and then wrung its neck in front of the cameras. Not exactly the most pleasant thing you want to see, especially as it was somebody's pet. So they've got that. Marjorie always, always worried about it. I've watched him dancing, throwing people about all over the place. Uh, Daily Mirror have Michael Jackson's bizarre tattoos, the autopsy shock. He was perfectly healthy. There was nothing the matter with him at all. A uh, little bit of inflammation on his lungs, but apart from that, his heart was pumping like a good un until the doctor administered that drug to help him sleep. And that is when it all finished for Michael Jackson. So nothing to do with exhaustion, nothing like that at all. Believe only what you read on the autopsy. I'm back with you on Sunday morning, Gladys Knight at 7 for In Conversation. Nick and his guests, including Tom Parker Bowles, with you after the news, which is next on LBC. Kent is closer than you think. 